Hi there, welcome to episode 88 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. And I'm your host, Yo Kenny. Today, Nori Jaba joins us to discuss her book, Keeping Your Seat at the Table, a memoir and guide on regaining confidence in middle age. Together, we explore ageism, strategic partnerships, and hero lists. And Nori explains the many aspects of the table used as a theme throughout her book. There are so many clever uses like flip the table, don't table yourself, and don't get pulled under the table. And she discusses all of these in this episode. And Nori's story is sure to be inspirational no matter your age. Here's a bit more about Nori's background. Nori is a baby boomer. She's had a career spanning more than 30 years in corporate real estate and community development. She wrote this book when she could not lend a job, abandoned her job search, and embarked on a quest to find out what was really going on and whether ageism was real. She is passionate about mentoring women and writes to empower and inspire others. And I think you'll be inspired by this episode, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Here you go. Hi, Nori. Welcome to Girl Take the Lead. We are very excited to have you with us, and I know our listeners are going to really enjoy this conversation, so thanks for being here. And thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Great. So let's let's start by um, just letting our listeners know a little bit more about you and um, your journey to this point and about your book, which is just a perfect title, Keeping Your Seat at the Table. How great is that title? I wrote this book because I felt like I lost my seat at the table and I had to scramble to get it back. And it was really a hard thing to accept at the time. And I was job hunting. I couldn't find a job. Nobody would hire me. And I just decided I'm going to stop this. It is not good for my mental health. I was depleting my self-esteem. And so I took a step back and wanted to research what was really going on. Is ageism real? And what can I do about it? Mm -hmm. And if nobody's going to hire me, then I'm going to start my own company and write a book about it. (laughs) So (laughs) that's how it all started. And it took on a life of its own as I went through the journey. I didn't end up starting the company because I realized it didn't need to do that to get my seat at the table. And I was much more interested in writing and found that writing was kind of my passion and my purpose. And that having that seat at the table was so different than what I thought it was. So it might help just to give some context for our listener. At what age you felt you were, you lost your seat at the table? So I I really think ageism starts at different times in different industries. Mm -hmm. And I I took six years off to be a stay-at-home mom, and I got lucky. Uh, When my youngest was in kindergarten, I was offered a job that I wasn't looking for, and it kind of fell in my lap, and it was a great job, and I did it for six years. It was really hard, but I did that for six years. So I felt like I had my seat at the table then. I was in my 40s when I went back to work. And then my company, the project I was working on was put on hold. They hired me back as a consultant. I decided to be a consultant and felt like I had my seat at the table then too. 
So it was a few years ago when I was in my 50s that I had lost one of my biggest clients. And I talk about why in the book, I got pulled under the table. And I lost my biggest client and I couldn't replace that client. I was having trouble and I decided, you know, it is time to go back to employed work and I wanted benefits and wanted to be on a team again. And that's when I started job hunting and in my fifties and no, that was not going to happen. But I think it ages and really um, ages and starts in your forties for a lot of women. And it can even start in your thirties in certain industries, you know, in the music industry, my daughter's in the music industry. If you're in your thirties, you are old and probably irrelevant if you're over 35. Yeah. And so in the tech industry, I hear that in your late thirties is when you start feeling old in the tech industry too. So it really depends on, on your industry. But for me, I lost my seat at the table in my fifties. Yeah. So uh, well, we'll back up just a second about, because I, the title of your book is so precious. And when you and I spoke before, I know you had a lot of reason behind the title and using the table kind of as a metaphor and that would be, I think my listeners would enjoy hearing about that. So I, I named it Keeping Your Seat because I thought it was so important to share my journey with others. And I'd lost my seat and the journey is really about me getting it back, but it's about how to keep it forever and never let it go again. And the idea is to share it with others. But the table, you know, we all think about your seat at the table at this corporate table where you're you finally made it and you're invited to be there. And what I realized in my journey is that is not how it works. And I say enough of that. It's time to build your own table, take your rightful place at the head of the table, and you invite others to be there to support you, strategic partnerships for your meeting your goals and your purpose. And it's uh, reciprocal, you know, you you help others as well. Um, but the table itself is just so much more than the corporate table. I mean, if you think about the table and how we use it, it's in every single culture in the world, every single one. It's essential for the human existence. It's where we love. It's where we learn. Kids do homework at the table. We eat. We nourish ourselves. We fall in love at the table. We have tough conversations and make big decisions and socialize and work. And so I started thinking of it in a much broader sense Mm -hmm. than just this corporate success model. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. I thought that worked throughout the book. There was just, I went, oh, here's another good one. You know, it was, it was really, really fun. It was yeah. fun to play with the words. And you did a good job with that. Thank you. So I know you offer so many great ideas around ageism. And I know some of my listeners are beating their head against the wall, trying to get hired, you know, in their fifties and even in their sixties. Um, I know I was... 60 when I got hired at the uh, hospital system to do their marketing. And, um, I, I took a demotion 
You know, like I, I didn't go in at a high director level at all. I went in as a, as a manager, having Mm -hmm. been in senior management positions. And it just seemed to me that that was okay. Yes. And that's, that's a big part of my journey is really redefining what success is. So as part of my journey, I decided I want to be a writer. And yet that's not my job. I work in affordable housing and and community development. And I too, with the job that I have now, which is just a fabulous, I am loving, is a demotion. And it's a strategic demotion. I actually quit my last job where I was in charge of an entire portfolio of 500 apartment units and a team of 17 people. And I took a job that is a couple of levels below that. And I don't have anybody reporting to me. My boss is much younger than I am. And I feel like I'm adding so much value. I'm learning. I'm doing something I always wanted to do. I always wanted to work for a city and the planning team and went to grad school in urban planning. And I kind of went on this different path and and never did that. So it's kind of a bucket list job because it's so much fun. And Mm -hmm. because I have so much experience under my belt, I have a lot of confidence with my job. I know my stuff. And so, and yet there's still a lot to learn. Um, But looking at the career path that I thought I was going to be on, I wanted to be C-suite. I thought that's what I am meant to be. I have that in me. I still have it in me. But I have strategically chosen not to go that path because there is so much more to life. And there is so much more to being happy and fulfilled in your career. And there are so many ways to add value. But I had to make peace with those squiggly lines, as I call them, of my career path. And doing that, making peace with that, really helped me get my seat back at the table because I don't care so much about my title. I don't care so much about how many people report to me. I care about the value that I'm adding and the value that the job gives me, you know, it's this equilibrium. You mentioned some research that you did and you uncovered into what ageism is about and what the concerns are when it comes to ageism. And I know one of them was being able to learn. Well, what I learned is that we can never stop learning. And as we age, there's, there's just more and more and more to learn it. The world has changed so much with technology. You know, there, there are a million apps out there or more. And which ones do we need to know? And which programs do we need to know? And we're keeping on top of it all is, it's hard. You know, it's hard and we're tired. And how do you choose? So you need to look at your industry that you're in, assess what skills you're missing and really have an honest conversation with yourself about that. What do you need? And get that knowledge, get those skills and reach out to younger people, mentors. You can go to a place like Nova Works, which is an assess, it's a job placement center and and, um, workforce training center. And they have one in every metropolitan area and they're free and they'll help you write your resume. They'll help assess your skills. They'll give you all kinds of tests and quizzes to help you. And they'll 
find those skills for you and the re- give you the resources that you need to learn them. And I did a lot of research on other programs that you can do, you know, LinkedIn learning. I didn't even know existed before I started this journey. There is so much on yeah, there yeah. that you can learn in these training courses and they're reasonably priced and other online resources. But the, the key is to really make a strategic, purposeful effort on staying on top of things and set aside, set aside time on a regular basis to just do your own professional development, not for the job that you have just for you and to make sure that you're staying on top of everything. That is a key thing because a lot of older people and you've all heard it, your listeners are probably going to laugh because they've been in a meeting where somebody will say, I'm too old for that. Or I am so, somebody will say, I am so old, I can't learn that. <laughs> and just never be that person. Yeah. <laughs> That's my view. Never be intimidated by it. Never think you're too old for it. Always learn. Because boy, if you don't, you will be left behind. And I look at my mother, who's in her 80s, and seniors now, if they don't have technology, they're not able to use a smartphone, they are out of luck. And try ordering a, a soda on an airplane now and not having your app <laughs> you have to have it to travel yeah. and so you will be left behind so making sure that you just stay on top of everything all the time and set aside set aside time for it is key I know you said, mentioned it a little bit, but some of your points in the book about the concern of working with somebody who was younger mm-hmm. or reporting to somebody who was younger than you, that would be a concern that someone might have as a hiring manager. So the job that I have now, my boss is decades younger, and I would not have been able to do that before being on this journey and going through it. You know, I would have thought of it as maybe a little humiliating and I'm a failure or just I hadn't made it in my life. But now I have completely changed my tune. And I look at younger workers as just full of valuable information and insights and perspectives that are just so important for me to keep my seat at the table, just to understand the other perspectives. So we often talk about being a mentor to younger people. And I say, yes, that's good, but flip it on its head. Be a mentee, have a mentor who is decades younger than you. Mm. you know, really make a conscious effort to learn from these younger people and, and have them in your network and reach out to them and understand them because they have so much value to add and they do look at things differently and you will learn and grow from them. I don't think we're aware sometimes of what the, when people meet us or what their concerns are, and you did such a good job of pointing them out on your research, you know, like, oh, well, they're going to be concerned about your ability to learn. They're going to, and all you need to do, you know, for yourself is to take some, accept that some of these things are, are there that may not be very fair, but there you go. People have perceptions. Mm-hmm. Right. It isn't that hard. You know, just when you go into a job interview and you're you're in your 50s or late 40s and you have decades under your belt and lots of experience and you want to show them everything you know, but you forget to show them that 
and you love learning and you are not intimidated by new technology and learning from younger workers, you know, you have to, you have to state that yeah. because otherwise you might come across as you're not going to listen to other people. You're just going to add your value that you think is important. And companies, you know, they say that fit is the number one thing when you're job hunting. That's what it all comes down to is being a good fit. So understanding that corporate culture and understanding what works for you, you know, what is a good fit for you and being able to showcase how your personal fit aligns with the corporate culture and their fit and what they're looking for is the key. Yeah. And I, you had an interesting take on resumes. Mm, yeah. And so hold on, listener, this is going to blow your mind. So Nori, oh, tell how tell many us. times have we been told, don't put your year of graduation on, don't put the years, don't let them know how old you are, hide it. Well, what do you do if you see a resume without the year of graduation on it? You automatically assume that they're old because they're trying to hide it. I do. So, <laughs> And I am so annoyed that we can't celebrate our wisdom, age, and experience. I I say, call BS on that. And I say, you own it. And I have a whole chapter in the book about owning your age, but also balancing it with humbleness. And it goes back to being able to grow and also to add value uh, with that wisdom. And it's all about that and making sure that that comes through on your resume also. It's not just a laundry list of everything you've done that's great over the last 30 years. It's how you can add value to it. So yeah, I, I put my years of graduation proudly on that resume. So I started doing that. I didn't get any jobs. So <laughs> I did that too. When I think I started in my sixties, you know, cause I went, what the heck? You can't hide it anymore. Right. You can't. It's like, it is what it is anyway. So I thought that was very interesting. I'm sure that some of my listeners are blowing their minds right now going, Oh my God, this is not what we're told to do. But anyway, I think I it's think good it's time to turn that on its head. Yeah. We, we celebrate companies that are old, the older the company is, the more revered and respected it is. And yet the people that work there that are older, it's the opposite. You want them to hide their wisdom and experience and age and what they bring to the table. So no, I say celebrate it. <laughs> so great. One of the things that's really unique about your book is that you talk about money and the concerns that people have about money. Well, especially women as we age, you know? Wow. I thought There's that a was- A lot of anxiety over that. I thought that was pretty courageous on your part to take on that topic. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about what you saw there and why you decided to include that? Well, because it makes me anxious. And, you know, a lot of what pulled me under the table, and by that I mean just pulled me away from my ability to achieve my purpose, um, was dealing with my aging parents. And also anxiety over the future and making sure I have enough money when I retire and really looking at what I want that next chapter to, to be about and look like and how much money I'll need to get there. And women, we're, we're notorious for 
not addressing that head on. And it is sometimes uncomfortable. And there, you know, Susie Orman was a great example. She's a wonderful resource with that. And there are so many other books and, and podcasts on this topic, but just facing your fears and anxieties head on is key. And really figuring out how much money do I need and what do I have to do to get there? And the truth is, it's usually always more than you think you're going to need, right? Yeah. Um, there's often never enough. And it totally depends on where you live and what your lifestyle is. But we live in, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and it's one of the most expensive places in the world. So just addressing the fear of having enough money as a senior is just really important. And just knowing little things like when you have to apply for Social Security. I didn't know the age that it was, mm -hmm. there's this cutoff period or it'll cost you a whole lot of money if you don't meet that deadline. Well, I even see in Gen Zers and millennials, real concern about money and being able to afford, you know, where they're living or the lifestyle that they want to have. And whether, you know, so many are postponing having children because of the cost involved with that. And the, I think what you're pointing to is that underneath that concern is, you know, how you relate to money. And then that's going to affect how you relate to interviewing, looking for another job. I mean, I can always remember being super anxious, you know, and holding on to that interview I just had like, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, you know, um, and when it didn't go my way and they hired somebody else, you know, it was, it took me time to recover. It would be like, it, it, it just hit, would hit me like a ton of bricks. Absolutely. But I think a lot of it, it was driven by this panic about money. And I didn't use that word panic, but there is this underlying sense of panic yeah. uh, because we're at that age where it starts getting real you start really thinking about your future and wow, I only have X, Y, Z more years to save for my retirement and I better get on it. So it is, it, it does create kind of this underlying panic. And I, these things that eat away at us. And yeah. I talk about, you know, my mom, I had to move her and it was like a volcano ready to erupt. And I knew it was going to erupt and I did nothing to prepare myself for it because it was too overwhelming to even think about this woman out of state and I would have to move her, downsize her, find her a new place to live. And what was I going to do? And were my sisters and brothers going to help or was it all on me? And, you know, it, these things never happen when you want them to ever and I did no preparation, none of us did. And it fell on me and I lost my biggest client because I couldn't be there for them. I had to fly to Colorado every week or two and spend multiple days there, miss meetings, miss all kinds of things that I needed to do. And I had no choice. I had to be there for my mom. And thank goodness that I was consulting at the time because I could just stop. 
Whereas with the job, I would have lost all the benefits or needed to take Family Leave Act, um, which I learned about too. And it, it can really overwhelm you. But what I share in the book is my plan for getting through it, the lessons I learned that I could have done better, and the need to kind of think about it, at least some of it in advance, so that when it happens, you don't get sucked under the table in this in this whirlwind and into an abyss and have so much trouble climbing out, you know, because it, it is all consuming. You you talk about a couple of uh, other things too, um, how to use age as a benefit. We did talk about it on our reflecting on resumes, but I think there are a lot of other things too you mentioned wow. that we could use age as our benefit. Well, so we've been through a lot when we get to a certain age, I don't care what your story is or what you've been through. We've all been through hard times and good times. And when you're at work and you're working with younger people and you're faced with a crisis, older workers are really helpful for getting through a crisis because you can have a sense of calmness. You might've even been through a similar or very similar crisis in the past, or a crisis that has enabled you to develop skills on how to address it. And that that wisdom, that knowing you were going to get through this and it's all going to be okay, can have a real calming effect on your team and help everybody through it. And so making sure that people know that and being able to demonstrate that is really, really helpful. And I think it's the greatest benefit of aging in the workplace because we've been through it and Mm -hmm. we're just not going to panic and feel like the world is closing in on us when something really bad happens and you know you can get through it. Then talk about your hero list, which I thought was amazing. I think everybody should have a hero list. And when you read my book, you'll laugh at some of the heroes that I put in there. (laughs) And I do that on purpose because they don't have to be what you think of as a traditional hero. You know, Rob Lowe is one of my heroes. So <laughs> oh, I had a little crush on him. Um, but the reason I have a crush on Rob Lowe is because he loves his wife so much. Mm-hmm. And he is a fantastic dad. And he's such a humble guy. I mean, he owns his mistakes and resurrected himself. And he's a happy, happy guy. And so he's my happiness hero that just, you know, life is short, enjoy it, just have fun and, and love your wife. (laughs) That was great. Really does love his wife. But I have a a long list of heroes, you know, Valerie Bertinelli is one of my heroes because in the book that she wrote recently, you know, she just said enough already. And that's the name of the book. And we are so hard on ourselves with our bodies and trying to be a certain weight and look a certain way. And Valerie was in the public eye so much and the pressure was on. And she eventually just said, enough already. I have to accept myself as I am. I love Italian food and eating. And she had her cooking show. And I'm I'm just so proud of her for, for doing that and facing that and just owning it. So she's one of my heroes. Um, Ariana Huffington is a hero of mine. She's my sleep hero because she wrote The Sleep Revolution. And that book changed my life. You know, I grew up and I lived my life 
along the lines of sleep equals laziness. And the less sleep you get, the more productive you can be. And she turned the tables on that. I love using that word table for everything. Um, and she made me realize just how important it is. And so now I cherish going to bed early and getting enough sleep. And I do not feel lazy when I sleep in. I feel like it's a a healthy thing to do and nourishing and taking care of myself. So choose my sleep hero. And having a long list of these heroes for each purpose, I think is really, really important. And I talked to you about having strategic partnerships and those are the people that sit at your table. So the heroes, the heroes are there, but you know, they're not active in my life. They don't know I exist. Um, although We'll see about that, right? <laughs> Hope to meet Rob Lowe and have, have you never know. You never know. And, and his wife someday, and Richard Branson. Yeah, I feel like we're <laughs> pretty good friends. And Valerie, um, yeah, Valerie's already a friend. She just doesn't know it. But having these people at your table and one for each chapter in the book. So, you know, there's a trap chapter about um, strength and reinforcing your table, having one of these people. And you can think of them as mentors, as coaches, as they can be a friend, they can be a husband, they can be a colleague, a worker, but somebody that you can reach out to that actually can really support you in your journey for that specific purpose. And, you know, having a learning coach, you know, somebody who pushes you to learn more. Um, maybe that's a younger person that you can call on at any time to say, how do I do this? Is this a stupid question? Please help me. And they, without judgment, are they love helping you. <laughs> I have a couple yeah. of people like that in my life. So having these strategic partnerships to help propel you. Um, towards your purpose is is what it's all about and then having those heroes to give you that strength well you're my hero oh <laughs> I think writing your book putting it out there and tackling some topics that I don't know it took courage to it's tackle courage. and you know there's one hero I haven't mentioned yet and she's really really important and that's Brene Brown oh my god yes She's so many people's heroes, but Brene is so important in this journey and for this book because sharing and being vulnerable is where, when growth happens is when you're vulnerable. And yeah. I love how she turned upside down this definition of vulnerability because we used to think of being vulnerable as being weak. And with Brene, being vulnerable is being strong and being courageous and taking risks and opening yourself up to failure and opening yourself up to growth. So that's what it's all about. And yeah, it was hard to share some of these personal stories, and but I just felt like they were so important. And I know, you know, I'm I was a successful career woman. I had I won businesswoman of the year. I have a list of important people that I can call my friends and mentors. And yet here I was, and I just felt like such a loser because I couldn't get a job. And I know so many women are going through this right now. And I learned so much and I wanted to share my story with them. And I'm going to write a second book. Actually, I'm not going to write it. You are going to write it. 
because I want to compile other people's stories about getting their seats back at the table or keeping their seat and sharing with me. So that's the next book. Yeah. So cool. Well, I think we've covered our topic today. Is there anything you'd like to, that I might've missed that we didn't cover? Well, I would like to invite people to purchase the book. It's on Amazon. It's Keeping Your Seat at the Table. I also have a website called keepingyourseat.com. And I am available to come and speak to your book club, your group, your corporate leadership day, anything like that. I'm really excited to do that. And I hope to hear from some of your listeners. And I want to keep listening to your podcast because I'm learning so much from you. Oh, thanks, Lori. I love it. All right. Well, thank you for being with us today. We sure appreciate you being here. It's wonderful. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening today, and we sure hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join our public Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead, or visit our website, girltaketheleadpod.com. We also have a YouTube channel where your subscription would be appreciated. Once you're on YouTube, search at Girl Take the Lead. Here are the three episode takeaways. One. Ageism is real, so don't table yourself. Take your seat at the head of your own table and surround yourself with your peeps, aka strategic partners. Two, the worry about money is real. Factor this into your career planning as early as you can. Three, be courageous. Put your graduation years on your resume. Oh, I'm so there. We have lots of exciting guests lined up for August, including Andrea Canny, who will return. And she's my beloved sister-in-law. And she'll talk a little bit more about ageism with us. And we also have Courtney Lee, founder OYT Cosmetics, Bessie Graham, award-winning entrepreneur, and Maria Marukian, an expert in diversity, equality, and inclusion. And we hope you'll join us for all these great episodes coming up. Thanks for being here and talk to you soon. Bye.